Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. Join us on Twitter, Cascade Hoop Talk, Facebook, Cascade Hoop Talk. Today, we have Coach Taylor Langley. He's the head coach at University of Michigan Dearborn. Coach Langley, he served for several years as an assistant at a very good Davenport team before coming over to University of Michigan Dearborn. He's been at Dearborn now for six years. He has a very good team. They're ranked 21st in the nation as of this morning. I believe they're 4-1 in conference right now. Coach Langley uh, is also a member of the uh, coaches committee at National Tournament. So he has seen a lot of teams from around the country. Also a member of the National Ranking Committee. So he gives a very good perspective of basketball across the nation in the NAI. I think you'll enjoy listening to Coach Langley. We'll begin in 30 seconds. Cascade Hoop Talk, Billy D. We have Taylor Langley today. He's the head uh, men's basketball coach at University of Michigan at Dearborn. Thank you, Coach Langley, for being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, So, Coach, could you talk about how you decided to be a coach, what happened in your life that made that decision, and how did you – what was your journey like to University of Michigan Dearborn? Sure. You know, when I was about uh, 18 years old, I was a typical kid. I I was pretty average in school, average in sports. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And my dad was a freshman football coach at a local high school, Romeo High School. It was a neighboring school. And uh, he said, why don't you come out and coach football with me? And uh, so I went out and coached football with him. And from the second I stepped on the field, I realized that, you know, coaching just fit what I wanted to be as a person and as a man. And, you know, I always wanted to help other people. And it was the best method for me to use my skills to do it. So um, I actually got into basketball that following winter. Uh, worked a bunch of Division One camps over the summer as a young kid, and then I, I ended up walking on at a local junior college. Worked really hard so I could, you know, just make that team. I wasn't a very good player by any means, but you know, I wanted to to say that I played college basketball and experience it as a player so I could better help my players as a coach. And so I did that. I made the team. Um, next next year I was brought back on scholarship and named captain. And then uh, I started coaching high school ball right after I got done playing. I went for about four years. I was coaching high school ball in the Lansing area. And for two years, I uh, applied to colleges working as a substitute teacher for two years straight without getting a call back from any colleges. So I would use my, I was a substitute teacher. So I would use my prep hour to apply for jobs every single day. And, uh, after two years, I finally got a call from uh, Davenport University and Coach Paddock, and he gave me an interview. Uh, they were at NAI at the time, and, uh, you know, I got, took the interview, got the job, and, you know, the rest is history. We had a nice stretch. We went uh, 117 and 25, I believe, in my four years there as an assistant. Played a great Final Four game with Oregon Tech and, and Coach Danny Miles. Ended up losing a very, very close game to them. And uh, after we went to a Final Four and two Elite Eights, four years I decided it was time for me to try to become a head coach and you know I interviewed for a couple jobs and uh, decided to take the one at U of M Dearborn and that you this is your sixth year Taylor yep sixth year here so you're on your sixth season at uh, Michigan Dearborn can you talk a little bit about your coaching philosophy and what I mean by that is what are the things you emphasize with your teams and what do you expect from your team every time they step on the court you know, I was very fortunate to coach in the league, which I coach now as an assistant. So I got to see the landscape of the WAC and 
how it was played. And, you know, you don't win in the WAC without being a great defensive team. You really have to guard. You really have to rebound. Um, I mean, it's old-school Midwest basketball at its finest. It's it's toughness and grit. You know, officials swallow their whistles more than they don't. And uh, you're just going to have to have a bunch of tough kids, and you're going to have to, you know, play a real physical game. And so I, I would say that, you know, we prioritize, you know, defense, rebounding, and then the offensive end just taking care of the basketball sharing the basketball, you know, being a good teammate. You know, we, we try to have beat one of the top teams in our league in, in assists, you know, because we share the ball with each other and we keep that thing moving as best we can. And, um, you know, I think if you play together on offense and, and, and play pretty tough defense, you got a good cha- chance, especially if you, you hang, hang uh, excuse me, take care of the basketball. So you were at Davenport for several years. What are the mm-hmm. things, because you, you, you grew up uh, loving the game, loving the uh, athletics, what did you take away from Davenport? In other words, what I'm asking is when you got to Davenport and then you started coaching at that level, what were, what were some of the things that kind of hit you in the face? Like, wow, I didn't realize that. And then you've incorporated these changes. <laughs> Everything, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't know what you don't know. And as a, as a typical, you know, as a normal young high school coach, I just thought, you know, that I didn't think much of NAI basketball. I don't think I had gone to a game. Um, growing up because there just wasn't, you know, a school in my area. And uh, when I got to Davenport, the first thing that hit me was, I can't believe how athletic and skilled this level is. I mean, we had some guys at Davenport who, man, they they were some of the most elite athletes that that I've ever coached. And, you know, the speed of the game just blew me away. Uh, it took me a, a good a good year to, to adjust before I was really starting to make a I thought a positive impact on our on our program because you know you just don't most people who who haven't seen it don't understand the talent level and the not just the talent level but the basketball IQ the basketball intelligence of NAI basketball I mean it is just a level where you got great athletes you have tremendous skill and you have incredibly intelligent players. And uh, it's really tough to coach at. It really is. You're having a, a, a pretty good year so far. You're 10-3. and three, You're 4-1 and one in conference. Probably something a lot of people don't realize is you have the number one field goal percentage defense in the nation. Uh, b- before, we, before we talk about how you achieve that, you mentioned uh, the, uh, the WAC is kind of old-style, hardcore defense basketball. And I know that you're involved with the NAI in several different ways and are, have attended a lot of tournaments. What differences sure. do you see in basketball across various con- conferences and various regions of the country? Yeah, man, I, I've been really blessed. When I was at Davenport, we went to the national tournament four times. Uh, I made it once at Davenport as a coach uh, so far in our six years. But the other years, when I when I took over at U of M Dearborn, I, um, you know, they were looking for somebody to work um, as a tournament committee member, and uh, you know these are the old school term for this is red coats, and they go out to the NAI tournament, and we're kind of the liaison between the head coaches and the tournament officials, and we just help help coaches get what they need. But the perk is I, I gotta I get to watch you know, thirty two different teams that make the national tournament play every single year and, and, and watch every single game from the tournament. 
And when you're in that position, you just learn so much. Mm-hmm. I would not be the coach I am today without that opportunity uh, to, to be, you know, a tournament committee member because it just taught me, you know, not only the styles like you referred to and how different they are across the country, but what teams advance and what teams get out there but maybe have a hard time advancing and what teams get out there and can win a game or two versus what teams are typically you know, making long runs in the final four. And, uh, you know, I really, really studied the game. And, you know, you got conferences like the GPAC who, man, they score the basketball at an unbelievable level. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think the WAC is the type of conference that we guard people at a really, really unbelievable level. We're very physical and play a great defense. So, I mean, those two conferences, you look at – the average points that are being scored by the the, the good GLIAC teams, you know, they're 90, <laughs> close yeah. to 100 some some teams. And then in the WAC, you know, we're giving up. I think there's very few teams giving up more than, I think, 70, 75 points a game in the WAC right now. So you just see that big contrast in styles. But what I've found is, being out of the national tournament, the teams that advance are the teams that can play – in multiple types of games. Teams that can play fast, score in the 80s, 90s, or 100s. Teams that are comfortable playing a game in the 50s and 60s. Uh, you know, teams that can do both those things are the ones that typically make it the furthest. And, you know, being close to the Crossroads Conference, I think it's a great example. You know, they they definitely fit both those molds. They have te- their teams play really good defense, you know, and they play, you know, efficient offense. And so when you have that balance on both ends of the floor, those are the teams that, that typically can, can advance because you know, if you rely on three-point shooting exclusively to win your games, there's going to be a game and you know, you got to win five times in seven days. One of those games, your team is probably going to be off. Right. So you're going to have to find a different way to win. And you know, I've noticed that with, with the teams that I've watched. Um, you know, College of Idaho from, from the Cascade has been really impressive out of the tournament because – They've done a nice job. They play both ends of the floor. You know, Morningside from the G-Pack is another one that's been really impressive. They have, you know, they throw the ball inside. They shoot threes. They play defense. They rebound. You know, they, they play every facet of the game really well. And then, you know, we've seen the Crossroads, the Indiana Wesleyans, and, and, and Spring Arbor last year was another great example of teams that just play both sides of the, wall, the ball very well. And in our league, the team that's probably done it the best has been Cornerstone. You know, they're very strong offensively and very strong defensively for a lot of years. And they've had a lot of success in the tournament. And I think it's because they can play in multiple styles of games. Well, those are great observations. That That's one of the reasons I enjoy the tournament so much is seeing the, the different, not only the different teams and the players that you, you know, hear about or get to watch online, but, uh, you know, the different styles. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the old saying, defense wins championships – uh, your your defense your defense doesn't have an off night, you know. If you can't shoot the ball, you can always defend your way out of a slump. So, coach, I mentioned you've got the the number one uh, field goal defense in NAI Division Two right now, and you're ten and three. You're four and one. You're having a, a good season. It's a tough conference to whack, and for those scoring at home, that's the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. Let's talk about some of your key players. You've got a couple backcourt guys that are that are doing very well for you. Cody Kegley, he's out of Yale, Michigan, and Zach Latimer. 
out of Mishawaka, Indiana. Latimer's only a sophomore. You want to talk about those two? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I'll start. I'll start with Cody. Uh, you know, Cody's a team captain for us. He's he's a four-year player. He he's just been great, man. He, I haven't played. I haven't coached a kid that plays harder than him. I don't know that I've coached against a kid that plays harder. He is. He's just a ultra tough kid, and he's super gritty. And you know, he's one of those kids that will have a you know blood coming out of his nose, and he's not even going to realize. He's just going to keep playing. You're going to have to drag him off the court or drag him out of practice. And uh, he's done a great job. He shoots the ball well for us. He gets to the free throw line. At about six feet tall, I think he's averaging close to six rebounds a game as a guard. And so that just kind of gives you an idea of his level of toughness. Um, I think he's, you know, top three in the conference right now in steals on the defensive end. Um, just an ultra-gritty kid. And, and, and I think that the rest of our guys really, really follow him and his lead. And I think that's a big reason why we're such a good defensive team. Uh, Zach Latimer might I, – I think he's one of the best three-point shooters in, in, in all of NAIA, um, maybe at any level. He, his shot's very, very automatic. And as on, he's only a sophomore, and he's on, he's on pace to, to potentially get close to 100 made threes this season if he continues at the pace he's at. Um, you know, he, as a sophomore, he's just got so – and he's got so much more that he can grow in his game. He works really hard at it. So – really excited to see what he can be in the future but but right now you know he's just a he's a threat night in and night out you know from that three-point arc because if he's open and he catches in rhythm it's it's pretty much automatic and then you have a couple other backcourt uh guys that play quite a bit for you uh donovan farrell he's a senior he's out of detroit and then uh the little guy jalen paul he's out of fort wayne he's got over 70 assists already you you talk about those two Yeah, man, Jalen. Uh, Jalen is he is he's something, man. He, I think he was averaging over ten assists a game in high school in Indiana, and he wasn't really highly he wasn't recruited by a ton of schools because he was only about five eight. But man, you just watch him elevate the players around him. He's the proverbial point guard in terms of you know he makes everyone better, and uh, you know he's like you said. I think he's got seventy three assists on the year. Um, he just does a good job of finding his teammates and putting them in positions where they can be successful. You know, on top of that, he's a really good defender. I think he's he's also top three in the conference in steals, and he's doing a nice job, you know, guarding other teams' point guards, making making their life a little miserable. You know, he's he's also a really good leader for us. Um, and then you got uh, Donovan Farrell, who he came to me as a JV player. Uh, we have a JV program here. And mm-hmm. after his first year, he was just relentless with his work ethic. And I, I had to, to bring him up. And he actually ended up starting a bunch of games as a sophomore. Since then, he's become, you know, definitely our best on-the-ball defender. And probably, you know, arguably, I, and maybe I'm biased, but I think he's the best on-the-ball defender in the WAC. He's improved areas of his game. He's improved his offensive game. He's been a great slasher for us. I think against Cornerstone the other night, he had a double-double. He's another one of those kids who just is relentless in his work ethic, how tough he is, and, you know, how hard he plays. And, you know, he's a big reason why we have the number one defensive field goal percentage in the country because every single night he guards the other team's best player. You know, we lost to a very good Lords team uh, this week. Mm-hmm. But Cliff Snow for Lords had been on a roll, and he was one of the. I think he just won National Player of the Week, and and uh, Farrell held him scoreless in the first half, and uh, you know we ended up losing that game, and you know some we did some things he needed to improve upon, but 
you know, just the fact that we can, you know, he can hold one of the best players in our conference to zero points and a half shows, you know, the type of defender Donovan is. That's very valuable to have a, a stopper like that, isn't it? Yeah, oh, my goodness. You know, it's it's, it's amazing because, you know, there's sometimes at, at this level of basketball, every team has a guy that probably doesn't, you know, quote, unquote, belong here. You know, like there's great players, D1, D2, NAI, and they're scattered everywhere. And if you don't have somebody who can take that challenge and guard the other team's best player every night, it's really tough to win at this level. Absolutely. And then you got the big guy in the middle, uh, Jason Gigliotti. He's a junior. He's six nine and two fifty. He's out of Heartland, Michigan. You talk yeah. about his him and his big body. Yeah, he he's he's a presence in the post. Honestly, he probably should be playing Division One football. <laughs> he's got <laughs> legs like tree trunks, and he's a pretty strong kid. But he, uh, you know, he he's a very very good basketball player. Um, he's got great touch. He actually made a three for us, a big three, when we beat Cornerstone the other day uh, at a crucial moment. So it shows you the, the type of versatility he has. Uh, but he, he he's a very good back-to-the-basket scorer, great touch, very physical, and he moves so well for a kid his size. You know, very you don't see a lot of kids, you know, 6'9", 250, in all of college basketball moving as well as he does. And he really is fluid in and out of his breaks and cuts, and it allows him to, to be a very effective defender for us, especially when if we have to switch ball screens in crucial moments at the end of games. He does a pretty good job of keeping guards in front of him, even at that size. So let me ask you a question. Do you have, have you found it's hard to keep him on the court at the end of the game? He struggles at the line. You know, we struggle as a line. I, I'm a terrible free throw shooting coach. I don't know. I got to I gotta get an assistant in here to teach free throws because ever since I've been here, I don't think we've been above 70% once. It's funny, uh, but even though we've struggled uh, making, you know, making free throws, I feel like since we've been, since I've been here, we've done a pretty good job of making really important ones. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's been helpful, but he started off slow from the free throw line. He's gotten better. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to continue to improve. Um, he gets there an awful lot. And I think the more you get there, the more comfortable you are in, in that position. And, and so I think he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in, you know, the mid sixties by the end of the season. Well, you can tease him a little bit because he's shooting better from the three point line than he is the free throw line. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's not the only one on my team either. <laughs> Who else on your team do do you want to uh, maybe talk about, Coach? Well, we got a couple guys that we bring off the bench um, that are big for us. Elwood Tomlinson's a very good scoring guard coming out of Orlando, Florida. You know, he's he's only a sophomore. In the last two games, he had 15 against Lord and Lords and 14 against Cornerstone, and he was a big part of why we won both games. He's a very dynamic offensive player very quick, very shifty with the ball, and he's got a lot of room to grow as he's only a sophomore. And then we have Damian Forrest, who's a true freshman out of Colorado, who is, man, he, he's all the 6'8", he's super long, he's freakishly athletic. I mean, he, he's made some huge blocks and got some huge rebounds and made some huge plays in, in games for us so far, even as a freshman. His ceiling is, is through the roof. You know, if he continues to work on his game, he, he could be – you know, I think he has the potential to be an all-conference player and then possibly more, possibly even some national recognition if, if he will, continues to work at it because he has every tool you need to, to be a pro after college is done. He's, he's pretty special. So, Coach, you have, uh, you have a 
a pretty good team. They're playing well for you. Uh, it's still early in the conference. What are your keys to uh, doing well in the conference and perhaps getting to that tournament this year? Man, our conference is a gauntlet right now. Um, you know, I think sometimes sometimes when, you know, Cornerstone was a dominant team for, for several years. They had Kyle Stagenga, Sam Vanderslice, two kids that were just very special players at this level, and, and they went to the national you know, they went to the, um, the, the final at the tournament a, co- uh, a couple times and, mm-hmm. and won it once. And I just think that, you know, they lost those guys. So they're, they're a little more human, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, they're a little, they're a little less invincible, but while that's happened, you know, they are still, you know, and from what I've seen and in, in being at the national tournament, they're still a national tournament team, but Lords, you know, got a new coach, he brought in a different philosophy. Brought in some new players. Even even teams. Lawrence Tech has a has a new coach. I'm still fairly new in the the league. Sienna Heights coaches is fairly new. So there's been a lot of change in the last eight years in the WAC. So before when you know there was the couple teams at the top and the middle and the bottom wasn't quite as good. It's just not like that anymore. You know, with all the new coaches, everybody's, you know, they're all a lot of young guys, very energized, trying to bring in players, trying to turn that program, their programs around and, and be competitive and get to the national tournament. Every night's a grind. There, you, you really have no given games. There, there's no nights off. And so the key for us is just going to be our preparation. You know, I think Spring Arbor did about as good of a job as I've ever seen any team do at it, where they just took it one game at a time last year. And they want a ton of close games. And I think whoever ends up coming out of the whack and, and, and has the, you know, the uh, privilege of cutting down the nets at the end of the year, it's going to be very similar. You're going to have to win a lot of close games. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to really do a good job in your preparation. Your players are going to have to really understand and uh, execute the scouting reports um, because, you know, the, the, margin, the margin of error is very small this year is very small you know i think for us us personally the strength of our team isn't in any one superstar player it's it's in the whole it's in the group i got a group that really gets along they have great chemistry they really care about each other and they've really bought into what we're trying to do and you know i i've definitely had some teams in the past that may have had a little bit more top end talent you know individually than this team but collectively this team has great balance. You know, they, they play together, they play hard. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, that's going to be our strength. So we have to play to that. You know, we can't play a lot of isolation basketball mm-hmm. and just let a guy go get us a bucket. We need, we need to play together and work together and create some advantages in our offenses together, you know, using our teammates to, to, to help us. So I think if we continue to do that, I, I think we could have a chance, but like I said, this, this league is is very balanced. The first place team, you know, could easily lose to the last place team. I think you saw Cornerstone uh, in the game before us. They played UNOH at home and only won by four. And honest, I think yeah. UNOH had a shot to tie it, you know, in scouting them. So I mean, you know's last in our conference right now, but they've played some teams really, really tough. And and that's just what it's going to be like every single night in the WAC. So speaking of playing teams tough, you're going to take a little break from conference play between now and the end of the year. Uh, on the 19th, you have Ohio Christian, and their record is is not impressive. 
but they've played a lot of teams, including Spring Arbor, very tough. And then once yep. once you're done with them, uh, just before the new year, your after Christmas present is uh, you're going to play Spring Arbor. That's your non-conference <laughs> break. Yeah, you know, I'd I'd fire whoever did my scheduling. Unfortunately, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> so I can't do that. Um, you know, I I, uh, I look if you want to be be the best, you know, you want to compete with the best, you got to play the best, right? And you know, I I think we played a pretty tough schedule. Don't ever back down from playing the crossroads teams. You know, I, I like to keep – I have a nice series going with St. Francis. We play IU East the last couple of years from mm-hmm. the River State. I want our guys to play against those teams because the end goal for us is is to get, you know, to the national tournament. And in order to win out there, you got to be able to beat those teams and no. learn how to play against them. So we definitely don't back down from the scheduling. You know, I, and Ohio Christian, you know, we're not – I'm not sleeping on them. They got a new coach, and, and they, they – they're in the rebuilding process, but they got some good players. We actually played them in the summer uh, at Rio Grande in a showcase, and, and then they beat us in that. So, you know, we definitely respect them, and, you know, we're not going to – we definitely can't have any letdowns before the break there. You know, we got to make sure we bring our best game, especially going to their place to play. Now, Coach, I have another question for you. I know you're on the National Ranking Committee. What is that like, and do you enjoy it? Yeah, I really do. I, I mean, I, I love it. I, I watch a ton of a ton of film, you know, in my office. I'm I'm trying to catch, you know, streams of, um, you know, as, as many teams who are in the top 25 as I possibly can. Um, you know, it, it's it's really it really keeps you in tune to the national landscape. And yeah. from a from a selfish standpoint, you know, it's nice because you, you get to see who's great and why they're great and what I, what you need to do with your program to be that to get to that point. And that's one thing that I, that I like personally for our program, but I also, you know, I really, I really love our league. Um, I love being an NAI coach. Uh, I think this is, you know, the greatest level of basketball. I'm, you know, kind of sad that we're losing the, the tournament the way it is um, yeah. with uh, one site. I mean, I think that's, that was one of the, the best tournaments in all of sports, you know, sad to see that go. I, I hope eventually we they they see the value in that and end up bringing that back in some way, shape, or form. But um, but quite honestly, like I said, I, I really like like this level. I love this level. I love coaching here, and it, it's just a way to give back, and it's 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 a way to really you know fight for you know our league and also have an understanding of you know the entire country and the landscape of college basketball at the NEI level. So, Coach, I got I got one more question before I let you go. I need to ask you, talk about that miracle win you had towards the end of the year against Cornerstone last year. You were at home. Uh, <laughs> uh, Cornerstone had you beat. Guy shot a three at the end. I think he got five. It was, uh, anyway, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, we've had some pretty special moments in, in my time here. Uh, last year was a really tough year overall for us. We just had a couple of key injuries and, and a couple uh, seniors who had one senior who took a job, you know, had a full-time job offer right before the year that he couldn't turn down. So you, you just lose some guys that you don't expect. And, and we, we, you know, we struggled, uh, but we were, we played really, really well in conference. We actually, the non-conference, we went through the gauntlet and we got destroyed. We had a terrible non-conference record against a lot of, you know, top 25 teams. But then we got to the conference, we were actually 8-12, and 12, and we were competing with people. And we had a really, really good half against Cornerstone in the first half. We got up a lot, and then they came back <laughs> and took the lead. 
uh, because, you know, they had a great team. They were a lead eight team last year. And, um, but we just, we got the ball. We had a timeout. I knew that they were going to intentionally foul because we were down three. Um, so I knew that they were going to intentionally foul. So, um, we drew up a play where we were going to get a shot off of the catch. So they couldn't intentionally foul. And yeah. uh, I think kid, kid on their team, um, stayed with their game plan of intentionally fouling as our guy went up for the shot and he just happened to, to make the shot and he got the free throw, which ended up putting us up. So um, that was a pretty special play and it was a pretty cool, cool thing to experience because you know, as a coach, I've been on the losing end of uh, some buzzer beaters too. And it, it's kind of nice when it balances out and you get ex- experience it on both sides. Yeah. That that was a huge win for your, your program that night. I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about it. I know, I watched that game on the internet, and boy, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed that. Look, I, I really appreciate my guys, and I appreciate you know the opportunity to be a college coach, and, and you know, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed every day to get to do what I love. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. You know, I there's a lot of people that have jobs that are really tough and really challenging, and I get to do this for a living. I get to get to come to the gym every single day, and. You know, I couldn't ask for anything better. And even more than that, I get to make a positive impact in, in my players' lives. And, uh, you know, I'm just just very fortunate and grateful to be in this opportunity. And, um, you know, and not only that, I just wanted to say I, I really appreciate it. And we all appreciate coaches and players at the NEI level, what you're trying to do for the NEI and, and helping bring in the recognition that these players deserve because this competition level here at the NEI is you know, I, I always say, you know, it's as good, if not better, than, than D2, and depending on where you are in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, our kids deserve that recognition because, um, you know, they work just as hard, if not harder, than, you know, Division One guys on full scholarships. I know I got guys on my team who are working part-time jobs, going to school and playing college basketball and getting in the gym and getting extra shots up. So, you know, that happens all over the country. You know, I know these kids – uh, and coaches really appreciate you know you trying to bring attention to our level. Well, I appreciate that. Well, Coach Langley, I really appreciate you giving us the time. I'll let you get back to work, but thank you again. Good luck as the season goes on. I uh, hope you enjoy your holiday, and after the first of the year, you'll get back at it in the in the conference. Yeah, I hope so. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, go Blue. Okay. Thank you, Coach. All right. Take care.